everyone, this is the third episode of the second season of the Pedal Podcast and I had a really special partnership and this is the first time I actually had two uh, guests at the same time on my podcast. I had Tim Foster and James Ash, James Ash and Tim Foster, who are the co-founders of Pedal Project UK and... Um, Basically, it's a really, really interesting project they they set out. It's called the Pedal Pod Project. And um, what they have um, set as a goal is that they want to reach a thousand chords in the UK, which is much needed. And they put that threshold um, to like sort of the grassroots. Um, just a few words about them. James worked in finance for a decade. They met in London uh, where Tim... Um, just relocated. He was playing professional rugby uh, for Leeds Tykes, Rotherham and London Wasps. Um, and they basically just came up with, uh, with this idea to start this project and it has been going really well. They opened quite a few courts. They have a, a really good partnership uh, and they have been doing well. So I got them on. We had a great chat. We had great banter and it has been going really, really well. Uh, so please do have a listen. Let us know how you liked it and please don't forget to subscribe, like, my podcast, the Pedal Podcast, on different applications, and um, yeah, just just please enjoy as usual, and uh, thank you. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Pedal Podcast. This is now the third of the second season. We are on a roll because I had Mike Dale in the previous episode, and these guys who I have with me today know Mike really well because I've got Tim Foster and James Ash with me. Um, Obviously, you now know who they are uh, because they were on the pedal paper and they will talk about a lot about their project, which is one of the most exciting projects in the UK, I have, I have to tell you. Um, and this is the first time I'm, I'm having um, an episode where I have two guests. So that will be something which I haven't done before. So I, I hope it will go well. But I just um, assured the guys that it will be something which uh, which I, although I haven't done, but I'm pretty good with editing. So if it's if it really sucks, we'll just edit the half of it out. But hopefully it won't happen. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Thanks very much for having us on. Yeah, great, great to be on board. All good. Thank you. Okay. So first of all, first question, which I always um, ask um, is, how did you get into pedal? But I will address this to Tim, first of all, because now James said hi. So um, Tim, how did you get into pedal? So how did I get into pedal? My actual introduction to pedal, formal introduction to pedal was um, becoming co-CEO of Paddle Project UK. Um, prior to that, didn't really have an awful lot of knowledge of it. The first time I ever came across Paddle, I was probably, it's fair to say, slightly worse for wear. I came out of a club in Ibiza called Space, which I don't think is operating anymore. And opposite Space, so you, there were some paddle courts, and I couldn't quite work out what was going on. As I said, I had a bit to drink, and I was probably worse for wear. And I thought, wow, that looks pretty cool, but I couldn't quite process it all properly. And this was, I mean, goodness, must be getting on for 10 years ago. Um, anyway, then I got approached and asked to join Paddle Project UK um, and learned about Paddle then. So I'm relatively sort of newcomer, newbie, um, certainly very much a beginner in terms of the Paddle stakes, um, very much new to it, but it's a super exciting sport. And having only played it a few times, I can certainly see why it's addictive. Yeah, absolutely. And how about you, James? 
So I guess my background to it is is slightly different to Tim's. Um, I'm a racket sports player, have been ever since I was very small. Um, and I first came across paddle actually in France. I was on holiday with with some friends and friends of mine who we all play tennis together. Um, she said, there's this sport, it's called paddle. Um, it's on the rooftop of a shopping center in the local town. How about we go and give it a go? And we thought, yeah, let's try it kind of the, the classic story of instantly hooked. Um, I mean, out there in the South of France, right? It was, um, the sun was shining. It's a pretty pretty attractive um, setup and, and, you know, very appealing. Um, and I think something that really appealed to us was that we could all play it and get to grips with it and become addicted to it very, very quickly. Um, and yes, that is because that is because of a racket, well, in part because of a racket sports background, um, but you could see lots of other people as well of all ages and ability levels having a go and really enjoying it. So I got into it there um, and then began Paddle Project UK um, really with a desire to kind of follow that dream and realize that uh, realize the ambition to bring the sport to the UK where there is such a surge in demand and the surge in courts which is happening but is happening with quite a quite a significant lag to what the um you know to, to the demand from players yeah I... Jake, sorry how long how long have you played paddle for James just checking I've been playing for about uh five years I was just wondering about five years longer than you Tim well, yeah, but I, I mean, having seen how you played at Potters Bar the other day, I certainly wouldn't have said you had five years more experience than me. That's just, uh, you know, just fact checking. Well, we can we can play. Yeah, I mean, play what I was line. thinking that I think I think um, in general, if if someone gets to know paddle in a in a windy, cold evening in Stoke. I don't think they would like really fall in love with the sport, would they? So I think, <laughs> no offense to to Stoke, but you know, there's there's the saying there's the saying in football that you know could could he do it on a on a cold windy day uh, on a Wednesday in Stoke and and you know it, it's um, I don't I don't really think everyone would get hooked with that sport as much, but yeah. So what's uh, what's your background then, James, in in terms of uh, of racket sports? Um. So. I have really kind of played most of them, actually. So as a child, I played a lot of lawn tennis. Um, started when I was probably, I don't know, um, six or so. Uh, just, yeah, playing tennis um, with family, friends, lessons, etc. cetera. Um, and then uh, my grandfather was very into real tennis, which is a much, much more niche activity. There may be some listeners on this podcast who are aware of that sport, but there will certainly be plenty of members of the of the general public who are not. Um, it's a yeah, a pretty niche activity. Um, he was really into that uh, and got me into it and my brother and my dad. Um, so we all were then playing that. So I played real tennis, played a bit of squash at school, um, even even dabbled in the racket, um, rackets world as well. Um, that is a pretty impossible game, um, but great, great fun. Um, and then Really, I think one of the one of the only ones left for me to try was was paddle when I got around to it. So now I definitely focus on on tennis um, and paddle. Do still play a bit of real tennis when I can. Yeah, I mean, real tennis is something else. I have to say, but I think it helps a lot with uh, with with paddle. I've got a really good friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Max, and and he's uh, his brother Giles is um, is a multiple time uh, uh, British champion in real tennis, which is 
for me is the weird weirdest sport ever. Uh, I have to say, yeah. real tennis is is absolutely bonkers with with its rules and how it's played, but it helps a lot with uh, with actually the bounces and and how how you can use the walls around you. So so a hundred percent as well. Yeah. And what's uh, what's your background in sports, Tim? So, yeah, very different to James's. So, I, as I said, don't come from a racket sports background, but do have quite an extensive sporting background. Um, I was actually a professional rugby player for getting on for 10 years. I played at um, at Leeds and then transferred to Rotherham and then finished off at London Wasps. Um, so that was, that's, in terms of sport, pretty, pretty kind of high level, I guess, but not in terms of racket sports, very, very new to racket sports. Didn't have a... Um, a youth and a, a enjoy a childhood playing tennis or squash or anything like that. Um, and as, as I said, just very new to it. But I think that's what is ex- sort of especially exciting for me for paddle is that even if you've never played it before, you've never really played any racket sports, you can kind of after five minutes and understand the rules. And like you said, once you've got to grips with the bouncing off the angles and off the off the the walls, then actually the playability is second to none. I hate to think how poor I would look on a tennis court, especially against someone like James, who's got pedigree in the sport. It would probably take me, you know, six months to a year to get to a level where I could have a rally with him. Whereas when we first played our first game of paddle together, within literally five minutes, I think we were having a pretty substantial rally and it was fun. And I think that's that's a massive difference and a big selling point for the sport. Yeah, I think it's it's really easy. And, and you know, my, my background is tennis as well. Um, um, I, I played on a fairly high level and, and when, uh, when I, cause we relocated to the UK four and a half years ago and, um, and it was, it was just so tough for me to, to accept the fact that you can either pay 150 quid a month to play indoors in a David Lloyd's club, or you have to play <laughs> in a winter night in like two degrees in a, on a wet AstroTurf, um, in tennis clubs, which, which is, which is really rough. And that's, that's why for me, paddle was really appealing. Um, and the other thing, what you said is that you can, you can grow into it really quickly. Obviously, if you have a, a tennis background, it's a lot easier to get to know the smashes, the, the, the lobs, the, although you, you hit it with a different technique. Cause in, in tennis, you, you hit it with a top spin here. You mostly hit it with more like a sort of a continental grip, but yeah, it's, it, I look, I, I am really biased with, with the uh, paddle and i think it's it's one of the easiest and the best playability out of the sports what it has and it's really easy to to pick up so it's it's great that you you are actually doing it uh where do you play i mean it's it's for either of you so, so paddle we, i play oh sorry. sorry tim you go 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 i was just gonna say we've we've Played all of our paddle, James and I, at Potter's Bar when we played against each other. That's one of our sites, our newest site, which um, opened just before Christmas, but really sort of went live in a big way at the beginning of this month. Uh, sorry, beginning of January, um, and that's where we've played all of our all of our sort of games so far. But I know that James, you've got a bit more kind of extensive network of paddle playing locations, haven't you? So yeah, I play a bit in central London when I can. Um, I am lucky enough to play at the Queens Club um, in West London, which is which is great. Um, they have got two courts there um, and I think are looking at expanding that um, over the coming coming year or so. Um, I have also played at our other site up in Lytham St. Anne's, which is up near Blackpool. Um, I've played in uh, at my 
the club nearest my family uh, family's home as well, which is up in North Yorkshire, so in Ripon. Um, played at a couple of different sites as well in central London. So I, I played played in a few places. Um, there are always more to play at, and it's always nice to go and see the see the new ones that are opening up. Um, but most of all, we're going to be focused on playing it playing at our Paddle Project UK sites, I think. Yeah, 100%. And we'll get get to that uh, pretty soon, but I'm still intrigued. Um, do you, James, have a racket? Because I'm pretty sure that Tim plays with whatever you give him. <laughs> so, not true, not true, actually. Not true. <laughs> you feel this, you feel this. Well, so I, yeah, I, I do have my own racket. Um, I got... Oh god, I can't remember the exact model, but it's an Adidas racket, pretty nice racket. I I really like it. Um, again, kind of an appeal of an appeal of the sport is that you can get a pretty decent racket for not crazy quantities of money. Whereas actually, tennis rackets just seem to be that that section higher, um, it, more expensive. Sure, you can spend a lot of money on a paddle racket, but I think the entry level rackets are are pretty reasonably priced in paddle, and for a lot of people that are coming into the sport, you know, they don't need to be spending you know, more than, I genuinely think more than about 60, 70, 80 pounds on a racket. Um, whereas actually to get a half decent tennis racket, you are probably looking into three figures. Um, and recently Tim and I uh, were actually hashtag gifted um, a, a racket each, which is what we, which is what we now both face each other off um, off with, which a uh, bit, of, bit of brand ambassadorship. It, um, it came from Pro paddle courts, um, which yeah, they've just moved out from well, expanded from the court construction industry into uh, into rackets as well and balls, and so we yeah, we've we've been gifted some of those, which are which are very nice to play with. Not that Tim's got a comparison, but um, yeah, I can say that I I do and can say that they're they're nice rackets. I mean, I'll happily say at this point, should any of the we you know we are. Um, we are racket provider agnostic, and if any of the racket providers wish to provide us <laughs> some, uh, samples to test, I'm more than willing to, you know, be a beginner with any brand of racket. To be honest, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I what I can say is that yes, the entry level rackets are good for a certain level. Um, as as I mean, you know, I I had the the privilege to to speak to Pablo Garcia, and I, I talk about him almost every um, every podcast because he's the Quattro Sat guy or the Four Sat guy, who's uh, who has the biggest uh, following in in Instagram um, in pedal, and and he's really into rackets, and and we spoke about it quite a bit. And to be fair. Yes, sort of you can get away for quite a long time with a mid-range racket, but after you get to a certain level, you need a pretty high quality 200 plus quid racket to actually get the the most benefits out of a out of a frame. But but that's look, I think I think for for the majority and for the grassroots and what and this will be my next question now. Um to get to a level where you need that racket, and and I think the majority of of pedal players in the UK are not trying to compete in a grade three, grade two, grade one. They just want something to hit a ball with, which is fun, which which sounds good, which feels good, which doesn't cause you a tennis elbow. So that's what you want. Okay, so let's let's get into the main topic. Tell me about uh, Pedal Project UK. What's the vision? I mean, I obviously read the article about it on on the, the pedal paper. Um, how did you come up with the idea? Um, and and just you know, just just free flow about what it is. I will give the the word to Tim, and then James, you can just like put put your your um, ideas um, into it as well. 
Well, I'll, I'll immediately give it straight to James because actually James, <laughs> James sort of, uh, there's a reason behind that. So James um, sort of started it off and I came a little bit later to the party. So I joined the company in November um, 2023. But James James sort of st- started it off, had the initial vision and the idea. Um, so James, do you, want, do you want to start it off uh, contrary to what Dennis just said? But yeah, can do. No, please, it. please. I, I just, you know, I just thought that, like, uh, obviously, James had the lead on the last question. So, yeah, yeah. please, James, take the lead here as well. <laughs> yeah, very, very happy to. So, I think um, the way this really came about was uh, our main financial backers is a that's a family office, um, and they are racket sport team. Um, really interested in it. Um, really like to play mega trends, and they recognized. Um, with me that paddle was a potential mega trend um in the uk that had really not it was still embryonic in its in its growth phase um we thought right let's get involved with this how do you want to get involved there are various different routes that we can play we could you know we could be a tournament operator we could be a court constructor we could be a um, you know racket provider we could be a vertically integrated solutions operator we can be a booking system we can be an owner operator and actually that that last one that i mentioned is the one that having done a lot of research we decided was the most attractive um that was both from a uh, from a business perspective you know financial business perspective but also i think from a kind of um organizational mission statement and values um angle that being both i and um the founders and of course tim is as well and i know that he will talk about this uh, are kind of passionate about getting uh, the masses involved in sports and getting people active getting people um you know off the sofa away from screens uh and and doing things that are sociable um physically engaging and and rewarding as well and so we had this we had this idea you know having gone down the owner operator route what did we want to be did we want to be an exclusive um you know indoor center covered centers something like that where we're we're up um we're going to be charging relatively high rates and creating a kind of premium luxury experience or did we want to be something that was more kind of uh mid-range and can be accessible to more people and so people don't feel like they're being frozen out um, because of affordability or, uh, you know, kind of lack of lack of ability, perhaps, if they've never played the sport. We decided that the latter was really attractive and that that was what we wanted to do. You know, this is a sport that is open for everybody. We welcome um, people from all walks of life and we do not want uh, the financial outlay to be a hurdle that is too big for anybody. So we want to make our courts affordable. That means that what we're building and developing are outdoor centers um, that are essentially centers for the public operated by a privately owned um, a privately owned business. So that's kind of how the, how the idea came about. Um, we have then been working on the business model and rolling out the, the growth strategy for it. Um, we have two sites currently up and running that, as, as I said, live them, uh, St. Anne's up near Blackpool and Potter's Bar. And then, and we've got a, you know, we've got a very exciting pipeline that I think Tim can talk to you about without, without necessarily divulging commercial sensitivities, um, as to, as to how we're doing that. Yeah, I think I'll just touch on that. Just, uh, you've done a pretty good job there, James, but I'll, um, just fill in a few gaps. I think that community ethos is what got me, uh, massively interested in the role, to be honest. Um, 
you know, as James alluded to, I perhaps had a different upbringing in that I wasn't um, in a position where I was able to play and access racket sports um, as a child and as a kid. Um, and so I think it's super important that our offering is exactly that community based at a price point that is affordable to all and everybody can access it instead of the usual perhaps elitism that is surrounds a lot of racket sports um at the moment so you know you've got to be a member of a club and you've got to play in tennis whites and you've got to have the right shoes and all that kind of stuff um very much our ethos is to get people playing paddle and we believe that that's the best offering for that is exactly what james has, has described um you know you can higher rackets and balls at all of our clubs um at all of our all of our locations which we think is great for entry level we offer free sessions um when we first roll out courts there's a whole host of things that we do on the marketing side that you know james is well across that enables that community engagement which is super important and then in terms of locations uh, we are geographically agnostic but sort of micro location specific so we just want to make sure that we locate courts in in areas that have got a, a population that can support the organic um, utilization of the court i guess we want to be in a situation that we build a sustainable pipeline that when there are eight thousand courts across the uk our courts are still experiencing high levels of utilization so that just means that you know they're well located there's public amenities close by the user experience is good um there's probably you know toilets, welfare facilities on site. They're located sensibly close to public transport routes and or parking, that kind of stuff really, um, just to make sure that that we're well positioned when the inevitable growth of, of paddle occurs and there are substantially more courts that we continue to be well used. Yeah, I, I think... You know, we we are still really far away from uh, from even Sweden because obviously I, I don't even want to talk about Spain at the moment because Spain has more than twenty four thousand courts apparently. So uh, after football, it's is the second most loved and played sport in the whole of Spain, and we're talking about uh, you know Rafa Nadal's and Carlos Alcaraz's his uh, home country. So it's it's pretty bonkers if if you if you put it that way. But if you put if if you sort of think about it in another way, in terms of like, okay, that's great, but you know, a lot of people don't even know yet what we are talking about. And that's why that's why it was really eye-opening for me, because you know, I'm 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 in this um in this world 24-7 almost. Like I I I talk to a lot of people connected to paddle, I do the podcast, I work in paddle. Um so so for me to to actually look outside this box and and see what you're trying to do is amazing and i know that the um what what the dream is is a thousand courts which which sounds a lot but if you think about it at the moment yes if you if 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 you look at the courts which are existing at the moment which is just around 400 in the uk it's still nowhere near um you know the the thousand dream what you're planning just by yourself it would be twice the amount pretty much as as what what's there at the moment but you know sweden has 7000 courts and and sorry the population of sweden is uh, is around 10 million um and the uk is over 60 mil 64 if i'm if i'm not mistaken so so it's it's absolutely crazy to think that yes we we and and that's what that's what you mentioned tim that the um the growth of the sport is inevitable, which is true, but we are still 
far away from it. And I'm hoping that it will actually spread like wildfire because at the moment, it, that's that's what we are feeling about. Like, that's what we, we feel that, yeah, okay, everyone is talking about it. But we are in this microorganism. And, and yes, there was the Hexagon Cup, which I wanted to ask if you actually watched it. And and yes, uh, now CNN had a report about that. Obviously, it was on ITV. So it's great. But we are still quite far away from it. Have you watched the Hexagon Cup? And are you following the the, the tour, actually? So funnily enough, um, I, you know, I am a beginner to support. don't necessarily follow the tour. I watched some of it the other day and we spoke about it just earlier today. I said, oh, to James, did you see the Hexagon Cup? It was on TV. Um because I hadn't quite appreciated the level to which the pros leave the court to play the ball back in and things like that. I hadn't really understood that. And I, and I was, we were having a conversation earlier about that, um, James and I. So that was, that's certainly quite interesting. I think I would certainly resonate with your point about people not necessarily knowing, especially, so my, my kind of, the delineation of roles, I guess, between us as co-CEOs is, is the, the, fight, the site finding, the acquisition, the construction, the development of the sites is all kind of my role, my side of the business. And then the user experience, the marketing and the operations is James's side of the business. It would probably, well, it might not, it might not be astonishing to you, uh, Dennis, but, but the amount of people I've come across where I've given them a proposition about bringing Paddle to the land that they own or similar, um, and their immediate response is, Paddleboarding, yes, but I don't have a lake. Where are you going to do it? And it's like, no, 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 guys, paddle. This is this is a racket sport. It's a totally different thing. No lake required. This is not a water sport, water based and sport. You, and you spell it differently as well. That's, that's exactly. the thing. But no, it's like, not paddleboarding. It's it not is paddle paddle. Yeah. And so and so, I think, like you said, the actual profile of paddlers got so far to come in this country. I think <laughs> James and I have discussed this a few times. And if if we use your numbers, so twenty four thousand in Spain. Um, we think that an equilibrium point in the UK is somewhere between sort of eight to 10,000 quarts, perhaps. That sounds sensible when you take into account the geographical, the regional variance in temperature, in lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, so I think, you know, to say we'd like to have a thousand, a thousand of those quarts, if we just go to 10,000, make the numbers easy. So we want to have 10% of those quarts. I think that's, although it's a very ambitious goal, clearly, I think it is realistic and it is achievable. Yeah, 100%. James, are you following um, the WPT? Now it's uh, Premier Pedal and the Pro Players Pro Tour. Yeah, so I actually, I did see something about uh, something about kind of the, the various different sort of sub tours and how they were all going to merge. And it was a bit like the Live Golf thing. And uh, to be honest with you, I think that there are a lot of people, uh, well, it's that, that alone is demonstrative of the sort of... Um, chaos that is the paddle market more generally speaking in certainly the uk and probably most of continental europe at the moment as well um it there are a lot of people thinking this is a very exciting growth area we can get involved in some way shape or form people haven't really worked out how they're just sort of going at it um people are starting their own tours people are doing and then there, and then tours are going to emerge. People are becoming owner operators, but then they realise after you know having done two, three sites that they don't really have the ambition to grow that further. So then the sites are up for sale. They haven't really realised that they you know by spending money on on marketing you're going to grow your utilisation, but they haven't budgeted for that. Blah blah blah. Um, so I think you know it's 
the, the sort of short answer to your question is no, I haven't really been following this whole, the whole kind of tour, um, the whole professionalization of the tour, the, the, the movement as, as that moves into the, into the world tour, the backing that it gained obviously a few years ago from the sport. I mean, from, from the LTA um, and they've taken it under their wing, but I think that is pretty significant um, in and of itself that it shows that they, uh, it shows that basically the LTA have said, I've kind of taken the, the view of if you can't beat them, join them. Um, and that the realization that paddle is not going to be necessarily a detractor from tennis numbers in the UK, but is actually going to help boost tennis numbers in the UK because more people will become enthused to play the sport to think, oh, I can play racket sports if we put them next to some tennis courts. So we, you know, people will think, right, well, let's kind of do both. I don't think one happens at the detriment of the other. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I think that the market is one which is pretty um, uh, disparate at the moment, um, quite disorganized. And I think it will kind of organize and, and come together over the coming few years, um, at which point, leaders of operators constructors the you know the tour um coaching networks all of that kind of thing will start to sort of emerge from from what at the moment is is a very exciting hotbed of activity no it's it's great that you're you're mentioning the lta and um and look i think what tom murray did and um and the job I've seen the growth plan, obviously, and and um, it actually happened. So uh, so he he set out a growth plan in 2019 before COVID as well. So to to follow it up and to actually see the growth of Paddle uh, within those four years, it's pretty pretty amazing. Because uh, I think we we are in really exciting times in 2024. Because I think 2024 2025 there will be almost every year the the current amount of courts will double so how i see it is that at the moment we were talking about 400 it may by the end of the year if there's enough providers it could easily go up to six seven eight hundred if because uh, there's there's a lot of lot of courts which are being built obviously rocket paddle is opening a, a massive site in ilford and in, in um, eastern london um and and I know that there's plans to to uh, to to open so many courts that I don't even know where they will find um, the courts from. And and I know that there's there's quite a few providers, quite a few manufacturers, and it's great that if it's happening like that. But I I do, I'm really afraid of the Swedish um, model because uh, in Sweden they just built it way too quickly for its own good. And now they're closing them down. And I'm hoping that there won't be the same mistake again. Cause I I look, my next 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 question is 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 about that actually. That I think it is a great sport and it and it's here to stay. But do you think that it can actually be the main racket sport in the UK? Yes, I do. Um I think that. I mean the 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 main the only competitor that we're therefore referring to is tennis, um, and given the attributes of paddle versus tennis, um, it is paddle is more accessible, easier to learn, easier to pick up, more sociable. Um, the rallies go on longer. It is. I heard the other day that it is. Um, 
I don't know whether it's the sport, but potentially, or if not, certainly the racket sport where you're, your calorie burn rate is the highest per hour of play because the because the rallies go on longer and there's less time between sp- between uh, points yeah. because the, you're not spending your time going to fetch balls. Your your play time is so much greater, so your heart rate stays at a higher level for the longest. So in terms of fitness, it's actually also beneficial, um, more beneficial than than other sports. I think that um, what we haven't spoken about is the fact that it is easy to learn but difficult to master so it's a it's there's a you know there's a great level of um of kind of progress that you can make through the sport i don't see and and also from a construction point of view from you know tim's aspect of the business it uh requires less space than tennis courts so i don't see the reason uh why it couldn't become the biggest um, sport, a biggest racket sport in the UK. The only caveat I would say to that is that you know it's a it's a newbie fighting on a kind of you know behemoth, very established institution. Tennis is extremely established in the UK, and it has you know the the you know Wimbledon people in whites having a nice time, strawberries and cream kind of uh, you know atmosphere to it that's going to be quite hard to shift and quite hard to shake i think one of the important things that we're trying to do is is try and trying to kind of shatter that image that because it's a racket sport therefore it's tarnished with the same brush as as tennis because i don't think it should be read the viability of various sites what what we would say is the reason why we're going for outdoors um as tim said earlier is because uh we think we can charge less and therefore the commercial viability of the site is more attractive and can sustain um dips in utilization in a way that you know expensive indoor centers can't or well i don't want to say can't because i haven't seen the exact business model but we don't think that we don't think that is as sustainable as what we're building yeah and and you're not even thinking about canopies to maybe put over the courts because i we we still as far as I just check out of the window, we still live in England and it's and it's pretty wet. So were you not actually thinking of of making it as accessible as possible, even with uh, installing maybe some canopies? I think my analogy here would be um, golf. Uh, and I am very much, if I go and play golf, I want to be playing golf in a T-shirt and shorts. That's my idea of golf. Like that is just how I like to play golf. But there are other people, my father being one, who will go out when it is minus two, it's pouring down with rain, they'll be top to tail in their waterproofs, and they will still enjoy a round of golf. And I honestly believe that there are sufficient people, um, and we see this uh, in a, almost like a case study scenario in our, our Lytham site, which is probably 50 metres from the sea in the northwest of England. It is rarely good weather in Lytham. Like, I think that's fair to say. And yet... The utilization there is by far our most successful venue at the moment. So I think I think there may come a time where canopies would be attractive to us, but at the moment the offset of the capital investment required to put canopies over versus what we can then charge the, car, the courts out per hour, it's way more attractive to us to be to to have this community offering ability than to have a covered court um, and preserve the, the playability. Um, and just to touch on what James was saying earlier about can paddle become the one number one racket sports? Yeah, I think it can. I think I think we've seen a direction of travel from several established sports over the last decade to five years to a shorter format. So you look at cricket 
and the incidents of the IPL and the 2020 stuff. You look at rugby, the massive increase in popularity, the seven aside stuff, and you look at golf and the shorter formats of the game are becoming more, much more attractive. People want sexier, shorter formats of games. They don't necessarily want these long, protracted kind of old school versions of games. And paddle is exactly that. It's like the new version of tennis that's super exciting. It's shorter, it's snappier, it's quicker. Um, and I honestly do believe that it will become the number one racket sport in the UK. Um, it's it's an interesting one because actually the WPT had uh, a golden point. So uh, receiver's choice at the end of each game. Now the Premier Paddle is actually actually uh, getting rid of it. So there might be two and a half hour pedal, uh, pedal matches from now on. But yeah, I, I do absolutely see your point, and and I do agree with that. Although, again, I'm my main sport is tennis, and 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 I grew up playing since I was four years old. I've got a tennis racket tattooed on my arm, so can I get a lot more uh, tennis freak than I am? But to be You've fair, got two arms. You've got two arms. Just get a paddle paddle racket on the other arm. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, to be fair, I I am, and and my wife will kill me if I do. But I I am thinking of 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 having some sort of paddle on on my on my other arm maybe as well. But but no jokes aside, or maybe it's not even a joke. But but to be fair, um, what I can say is that I play at the moment three four times a week paddle, and and I. And I compete as well. I'm I'm uh, I'm competing in in uh, next week actually in a in a grade three, and I'm planning on a grade two as well. So uh, so I I do contradict myself saying that tennis is my first sport, but and also what I can also say is 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 I'm from I'm from Budapest. I'm from Hungary originally, um, and I can see the sport evolving in 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 Hungary mostly in Budapest because I have to say that like it's so head heavy. Um, Hungary is. Um, I mean, we can say that London is obviously a, a different a different country in itself. But it, it still has Manchester, it still has Bristol, it still has, you know, Liverpool, and I can go on and on, which have vibrant lives. A lot of people want to play sports. Obviously, football is questionably bigger in the north. Um, I'm I'm an Arsenal fan, so for me, it, maybe it's not, but still. Uh, but yeah, I, I do I do a hundred percent see this point, and and I do agree. Um it's 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 just um i i might be a bit snobbish with that approach but for me um the um the dry walls is a must in paddle but i absolutely appreciate that you're trying to make it as accessible to everyone as possible and that would be my next question is there like a regional sort of focus what you want to plant your let's say 10 12 15 20 courts in or you just want to like free flow uh james i will i will address this to you now when you say when you say put the put the 10 12 15 20 courts in i assume you're referring over the first like first you know four five yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 so <clears throat> again without wishing to uh kind of give away all of our next locations or, or expecting next locations. Um, we don't have, as Tim said, we don't have a specific geographic um, focus. So I would say, you know, use our current footprint as an exemplar of where we will go. Um, that being 
anywhere where there are enough, where there, where there is, an, is a large enough population to accommodate the demand that we expect for the courts. Um, the sites that we're currently looking at, that we're hoping to execute through this year, are, uh, I think, safe to say all England-based, but that's really as specific as we could be. Um, not, not for, not. I don't mean for commercial reasons. I mean that that basically saying, you know, anywhere within England, there are some that are, you know, very much in the south, and some that are kind of up up north of England. Um, so yeah, very varied. Yeah, that's 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 great, and you know, that's that's all I can pretty much ask for to to specify it this way. How many courts are you planning? Because uh, I know that the the end plan is the, uh, the the thousand courts uh but like what's the five to ten years plan how do you see yourself you as an operator court builder and also how do you see pedal in the like, next five ten years tim so our current model for this year is to have 24 sites um either in construction in planning or built by the end of this year and we are our assumption is that most of those sites will be four or six court locations. So if we assume all four and we say 24, we're not that's 96 courts this year. So we fast forward that five years, we've got 500 courts, roughly speaking. Um, and then another five years to, to year 10, and that's where we get to our thousand courts. So I guess it's quite, it's, it's probably won't end up happening like that because we'll probably have several years where we ramp up and a few years where we ramp down. But at the moment, it's basically a five-year, ten-year split of five hundred courts after five years, a thousand courts after ten years. That's roughly where we stand. I would also just add to that that um, the we as a business are very open to the opportunity of those not all being organically constructed and developed by Paddle Projects UK, and therefore, I you know to say. That we think there are acquisition opportunities out there they may not really be present quite yet but they will be um and that represents another strand of potential growth for us as a business that we would definitely look to um acquire assets and operate well, operating assets that that have been developed by somebody who says look i'm kind of i'm kind of done with this um or might have uh planning on sites or have got part of the way through builds and then found that they've hit financial buffers um, and we could look to um, take advantage of those, buy them out, everybody wins. We expand our, we expand our, you know, our core profile and our presence and uh, they, you know, they get an exit strategy for their business. So that's another route that we are also looking at. As I say, not, not at the moment because we think, that the, we think that it's far too early to be, to be kind of doing a con consolidation, but um, it's something that we will consider. And, um, as a as a sort of last question, because um, I I pretty much uh, appreciate your time, guys, and and uh, and I think um, you know we we could we could obviously talk a lot more, but you're you're really busy because you're trying to to basically uh, plant around a hundred courts in the UK, which is quite quite a big ask. Um, what's your personal plans uh, within Paddle? So do you do you want to? like uh, take a lot of coaching do you want to get better at this game uh, do you play for fun do you but what's what's the plan so i think for me tim do you want to go yeah i'll go i'll go back to my, my first ever rugby coach who was actually my dad 
Um, and when I first got into rugby versus where I ended up was somewhat, you know, somewhat slightly different. But he said to me something that I've always taken forward in every aspect of sport, whatever it will be. And he said, the main reason why you should play sport is for fun and for enjoyment. And they are the two main things for me. Like, as I say, my rugby career went on a bit of a slightly different path and I ended up playing, you know, for a living for a while. But I think for me, they're the two most important things for any sport is that keep having fun, keep enjoying it. And I think if you can bring that ethos to any sport, paddle in particular, and paddle lends itself to those two qualities, then you're onto a winner. Brilliant. Yeah, I would say James, you probably you probably need a bit of coaching, James. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I would say my my personal focus is to spend a lot of time working on my bandeja, that kind of thing. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. I think you know. I would always maintain that it has to be fun, and, and, and for anybody, if it stops being fun, then you need to reassess why you're doing it. Um, so certainly to to keep keep having fun and keep seeing other people having fun on court is going to be the most satisfying thing that we can do um uh, on a on a business yeah from a business perspective that is definitely the kind of the aim is to make sure that all of our customers are having fun we, we continue to draw new people into the game we will definitely not be anywhere near the end of that journey um in 10 years time there will still be people who have never played who are coming to it for the first time who are thinking hopefully this is a this is a great game. Let's play more of it. Um, but I think also to uh, to be able to establish something whereby uh, you know the, the development of the sport is going to going to be one part getting new players in who are beginners, but also ensuring that there is still enough appeal for the decent players to want to play on a kind of, you know, tour or a regional basis or a county basis and, you know, have all of that coming through, um, which I know already exists, but to, to make that a more prominent um, prominent part of the sport in the UK so that then people, you know, have the venues to go and play and play some pretty competitive uh, stuff against others that they otherwise might, you know, might not come across in, in just, you know, usual club play. No, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a brilliant thought to, um, to say that pedal was meant to be fun, uh, even from the beginnings. And, and I really like the, the whole atmosphere of even the most, the, the bloodiest of, 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 uh, of contests as well that you you do see that yeah they put up their hands because it's it's quite hard to see if if they if they hit the wall or if they they touch the net when they run outside the court um or you know all this and that or when when the ball hits you because it, it's it's quite easy to get hit by the ball so so i do i do like this ethos and and um that would be what i would what I would like to just point out on, on what you said is that it's great that you are playing for fun and that's what everyone should be doing. And, and even the most competitive matches should be in, and, uh, in basically the, the most fair play things around. So, so I, I absolutely hope that that will be, that will be the, the whole sport in the UK because it is in Spain, it is in Latin America. So hopefully that will be the case guys. Um, I wish you all the best. I hope that I will come across a lot of Battle Project UK sites around the UK because I travel quite a bit and um, and I really appreciate your time. And I always say it to everyone, but I mean it for you guys as well. Please do come come down to Bristol. I will show you a few, um, a few sites here because we've got 34, 33 courts around Bristol. So it's a it's a pretty decent number and uh, we can have a good game here.
Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for having us on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Dennis. Speak soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you.